Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. If you're looking for the best acrylic, they make it. If you're looking for oils, they make Williamsburg oils. And watercolors, they make core watercolors. Mediums, textured gels, you name it. They make it, and they make it the best. All in upstate New York, an employee-owned company that's committed to stewardship in a community and artist assistance and education. You can find out more about Golden at goldenpaints.com. Danny Farrell is an artist born in Flint, Michigan, raised in Altoona, Pennsylvania, and who now lives and works in Pittsburgh. He received his BFA from the Pennsylvania State University in 2014, and his MFA from RISD in 2016. He taught for a year at RISD and since has been teaching at Carnegie Mellon University. He's had shows at Horton Gallery in Dallas, Gallery Pact in Paris, Mindy Solomon in Miami, the Pittsburgh Center of the Arts, Bass and Rayner in San Francisco, the Westmoreland Museum, Jeff Bailey, and many more. His work has been covered in Art Forum, ID Vice, Hyperallergic, Paper Magazine, Artnet, Art Maze, and New American Paintings, just to name a few. In 2019, Danny will have a two-person show at Horton Gallery in Dallas, and he will also have a solo show at Marinero Gallery on the Lower East Side. I caught up with Danny at Penn State, where he was a visiting artist and where I teach for a talk about small town start, young goth, magic magritte, music, insomnia, paintings about love, and much more. Here's our conversation. It doesn't matter. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. How did you sleep? Um, well, I'm a total insomniac, so... Um you know, I, I, did, I did okay. Maybe not one of those right before bed. <laughs> not one of these right before right. bed. That's exactly right. Are we are we starting? Yeah, sure. Gorgeous. Do we have like a, do you have like an intro you want to do or just like let's just go for it? No, those come like after the fact. After I love, yeah, yeah. oh like you do like this like pre recorded gorgeous I, moment. I collage those in. Yeah. I love it. Well, you know, you have such a collage sensibility anyway, right, right. so it makes sense that you would have a collage podcast as well. Yeah, I love this. So insomnia, really. Yeah, yeah, pretty. What pretty is it? Bad. You just the wheels are turning. Wheels are turning, and then when I'm like, when I lay down to go to sleep, it's almost like I'm kind of like tired all day. And then when I lay down for bed, it's like I'm ready. It'll take me two hours to fall asleep. It's crazy. Do you do you do the thing that they say not to do, which is look at your phone? Look at your phone. Yeah, I do everything that you shouldn't do. <laughs> right. So I exercise. I, I should run a mile and then lay down. That's that. Yeah, exactly. Well, without the exercise part, I should be back into it. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Doesn't now, um, listen, Brian, I am the vision yeah. of sound and vision. Okay. And your analytics are going to be huge at the end of this podcast. That I'm going to hold that to you. I want you to get ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be crazy. Oh, that I'm excited. Yeah, me too. I'm excited too. Well, I would imagine there's some people who may not have heard you in this context who would like it's to. True. Yeah, it's true. And I think people are going to be... I don't know. I'm going to lose a couple Instagram followers, but listen, that's just the way it has to be. Sometimes you got to yeah. take one for the team. Look, you got to take one for the team and I've taken a couple. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just the way, that's the way it's going to be. Yeah. When do you think you and I are going to start doing live shows? 
I don't know. Probably within a days of this airing. I'm thinking soon. I'll book the Benedum over in Pittsburgh. It's a huge theater. We'll make a lot of money. It's going to be oh fabulous. God, you live in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I do live in Pittsburgh. Yeah. So wait. So okay. So Altoona's upbringing. Yeah. So originally, I'm was born in Flint. Yeah. Um, Michigan. Right. You might have heard about it. Well, I think there's similar wa- water quality to here. Some, yeah. Yeah. But actually, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like I mean, of course, Flint is tragic and has right. a ton of. Uh, problems and we need to take care of that but yeah definitely like the pittsburgh water quality and i i mean i'm not sure exactly what it's like here in state college but um i think someone was saying it's not so good it's not good yeah. i mean uh we've had a couple water boiling advisories in pittsburgh and um yeah we we got to get that together i mean water it's a basic human thing that we need so There's a lot of basic things that we need to address yes indeed <laughs> and okay before we go down that yeah right exactly so fl- born in flint yes Moved Born to Flint, Altoona. And then Altoona. What's that move for? Uh, dad going to work. Okay. Uh, um, so that was, we actually were either going to go to, is it um, uh, Bar Harbor? Is that what it's called? Bar Harbor, Maine, yeah. um, I think, which is like a beautiful coastal seaside New England town or Altoona. So uh, <laughs> my dad Six is in one hand, yeah. half dozen in the other. That's exactly right. <laughs> Red light, green light. Right. I, you know, I don't know. Um, but it's. Uh, that, so that yeah he we moved over there for um, work and then also his um, he was kind of raised there too so his, yeah. his mom was there before she passed and all that stuff so there were a number of kind of draws to go to Altoona but yeah it was a it's a bizarre place I mean it's yeah. like this beautiful I mean it's not dissimilar to where we are now where you're, you have this you know the kind of perimeter of the Appalachian Mountains. Um, and it's beautiful and idyllic in so many ways, but then, you know, kind of underneath it, there's this sort of underbelly of what I would call a kind of cultural decay. Yeah. Um, so frozen it, in time. Yeah, totally. And, um, it's just, uh, like I think the, in the two, 2010 census, I forget how often we do, we do census every two years or four years. I would hope two years, but I think it's two. Sure. I don't know, but I think either, well, either way in the 2010 or 2012 census, um, it was like 99.5% white and Blair County is also, I don't know if it still holds this, you know, reputable distinction, but it was also the oldest, um, uh, county in the country. So, um, just a tremendous amount of, um, you know, octogenarians, you know, yeah. no tea, no shade, but, um, so it was just, just not a great place for like a young little gay boy to grow up. Yeah. You know, it was rough. It was tough, but, um, we made we may do with what we got. And, and now that sort of like experience is my, is sort of what gave me the kind of emotional temperament to make the work that I'm making now and still remains so important yeah. um, in the work, that sense of place, personal history, you know, so. So did you, well, uh, growing up, you were interested in art? Or, Always. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, the sort of normal cliche you hear from parents of like uh, just been, you know, making things ever since I was, could ever since I understood that, you know, drawings are made or paintings are made, they don't just exist, you know? And so then that's really sort of when I started doing it. Um, so really, really early, I almost don't even have a memory of not making things. Um, just what you did. Yeah. It's just what I did. So, um, what, what kept you from, you know, the Tyler, the Micahs of the world and what, what drove you to come to the university, the the gigantic like state school. Yeah. It's weird. Money. 
<laughs> well, yeah, like a little institution moment um, yeah. and money, you know. Um, but also, uh, I really wanted to study Spanish too. Um, and I know you can do those in other places, but uh, yeah, there was just something about wanting to have a sort of. I mean, I'm from such a small town. I mean, people who grew up in uh, in my in my graduating class, there was only like 80 kids. Yeah. Um, so I sort of wanted to just be thrown into this like really big environment. And I am so indebted to going to school to Penn State where I really found my tribe, really sort of, you know, I came out of the closet, Mm -hmm. really felt like I became who I was supposed to be here. Um, And so I loved having the kind of state school experience. And then when I went to grad school and got the really rigorous kind of like art school experience or whatever. And um, there's something about having both of those, dipping in both of those sort of ponds, if you will, that actually lends itself really well to teaching my own students now. Yeah. So I can kind of tailor, um, you know, the criticism I give kind of depending on the student, you know, what, what kind of criticism does this student need compared to this person? Does it need, does the student need something a little more rigorous and does this person need a little more of a, I don't know, kind of state school yeah. sort of experience of, of learning art. Um, and I think both things are, are good and I'm happy to have both experiences for sure. Yeah. Right. Well, since you're the, you are the vision guy, I'm the vision. Look, what about sound? Like when you're growing up, you must've been into music. Yeah. I love music actually. Um, so I started playing, um, I think it's, gosh, I started playing guitar, uh, at like 12, yeah. um, loved playing the guitar, still play the guitar. Um, not as much as I should since painting has really kind of taken over my life in so many different ways but um yeah just was so into music that was kind of my respite after high school and uh, and probably between like 13 and 17 was my kind of respite from this sort of social trauma that was happening to me at the time yeah. I mean I loved coming home and just like playing my guitar for two hours it was this great way to sort of even kind of get out this sort of inner aggression or something, but yeah. just like shredding on the guitar, man, right. you know, um, <laughs> was it, was it rock or metal? Yeah. I did like or? classic sort of rock, you yeah. know, your guns and roses, ACDC sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Just that like really beautiful classic rock guitar. Primal. Kind of song. Yeah. Primal rock. But never like this, like drop D crazy, no, 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 you know, right, metal right. stuff. I mean, you know, occasionally when I was like, I don't know, 12 and in my goth phase. Right. Um, There's something alluring. That about was a that. vision. <laughs> that was a vision, Brian. Yeah, I'm sure. We're not going to talk about that. Look, we've all had visions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, it was a mess. I was a mess. But it's funny, so many people that I talk to, artists, it's, you know, music, it's art, it's yeah. skateboarding. Or, you know, like... Did you skateboard? I did skateboard. Were you popping ollies and grind railing or whatever yeah. the hell that's called? Yeah, all that. Do you still skateboard? No. What's that thing? The half pipe? The half pipe, yeah. Ah, gorgeous. Yeah. Well, I grew up in Pittsburgh, so we had... Oh. It's very hilly. It's very hilly. It's not conducive to, like, street skating. So we had places where we go for, like, half pipes and quarter pipes and stuff like that to keep us busy. Do you think I need to pick up the skateboard? No. It's, no, okay. I, I think after 20, you're taking your life in your hands. Yeah. I, I mean, used to... Like, I didn't skate for a long time, and then I... I picked up a skateboard just to skate to my studio in Brooklyn, which is only, you know, three or four blocks. 
And one day I'm going next to the park, skating not too fast. And you know how sometimes you, you could just hit a little pebble. And, and you go flying. Flying. Your projectile through the air. With the laptop in the bag that swung around. Stunning. Broke the laptop. Like, how did we break it? Like, shattered screen? No, it's it was one of the older ones that has, like, a hard drive that spins. So whenever it hit, it just the hard drive. Are you talking about one? <laughs> Are you talking about one of those, like, orange no, no. Apple laptops? Yeah. Yeah, it's a strap that's back in the bag. day. The oh, gorgeous. Yeah, the, tan- the tangerine ones. And I blueberry. loved those. Bring, those were cool. bring them back. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> we need a little happiness in our life. God. So I, I said to myself, that's enough skateboarding. Yeah, and I got enough. A, you know, I, like, tore up my hand or something. Yeah, break any bones? No, but... No compound fractures? No. I'm disappointed. I never broke any bones. I had a friend that I skateboarded with growing up, though, who couldn't not break a bone. Well, listen, we all have our crosses to I bear. Yes, exactly. In casts to wear. His was a calcium deficiency, I think. Yeah. <laughs> listen, Jamie Lee Curtis has great commercials for, oh, wait, no, that's Activia. Is it Sally Field who does the osteoporosis so. commercials? Yeah, yeah. All right, he needs to call up Sally. Yes. Get, those, get on that regiment. Get on that regiment. <laughs> it's never too early. It's never too early. I'm loving my podcast voice right now. <laughs> This is gorgeous. Okay, sorry, Brian. Maybe yes. we need to. If we'll we don't reel, need to rein it in. Okay, well, yeah. reel me in whenever you need okay, to. Okay, I will. <sighs> Listen, I'm just practicing for our live shows. So you got you got past the goth phase. I got past it. Then what happened? Barely. Um, then, well, I went to Catholic school, so I was, you know, Jeez, Catholic school, girl, Catholic school, ten years. <laughs> it just gets worse and worse. <laughs> um, but actually, I had a really wonderful group of friends that kind of stuck around me um when I was in Catholic school so that was a and I had good parents too so I had um you know a lot of support yeah um it wasn't so there was acrimonious an, in the household no 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 not at all and it was really uh a good place to to go and get away from all that sort of stuff um and my friends were great uh so but I was in Catholic school so the goth phase just kind of naturally phased out yeah. through wearing you know my beautiful I had like cute little penny loafers and gray slacks and a blue shirt and blue tie and all that stuff so it just I never really you know I never really went shopping as a kid I just had one sort of thing to wear all the time yeah and it ended up being very cozy yeah I kind of love uniforms it makes it easy it makes it so easy Plus, there's something snappy about a good uniform. Yeah, we looked kind of chic. I, I mean, loved playing soccer because it was, you know, you get into the uniform. Soccer, that's hot. And you know what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what did your soccer uniform look like? Did you have beautiful checkered pants and like an orange gorgeous jersey? Like, what happened? No, but So, the high school team was awful. It was green and gold with a cougar. Anyways, it wasn't good. Green and gold with a cougar. Yeah, but the travel team. You were the Pittsburgh Cougars? No, well, I belong to a group school, called the Pittsburgh. The high Cougars. school is Carlinton High School. Carlinton, Carnegie, Roslyn Farms, and Crafton together. Listen. So, so that was terrible. But the travel team I played for, the Pittsburgh Strikers, had mm. orange, orange socks, white shorts, and a purple jersey. And it was pretty, orange pretty amazing. Socks, white shorts, yeah. purple jersey. I'm writing this down. It looked good because I'm wearing that tonight. <laughs> By myself, I don't know what I'm doing. You better go downtown and pick something. I'm up. gonna pick it up. <laughs> Wait, this is the Strikers, not the Cougars. Right. I love those names, by the way. I know. I wonder. I gotta. Th- I'll think about something to do with the the Cougar and the, the Cougars and the Strikers in our live show. We'll have like a little, okay. like a segment. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Maybe we should bring it We'll bring him back. Yeah, bring him <laughs> back for the show. This, sounds ex- this is exciting. We're really going to build an empire here with the sound and vision. Your we, sound, I'm vision. We are. I mean, look at me, Brian. I know. Have you seen anybody this gorgeous in your life? Well, I've got a face for radio, so this works. <laughs> that is not true, Brian. <laughs> so, uniform aside, Catholic yes. school worked well. Catholic school was fine. I mean, you got through it. I got through it. It was whatever. Remind I mean, me, let's not talk about it now, but later when we sure. talk about your work. But I yes. wonder if the good parent, good household was the reason why you were the, the good. Remember when you were talking about kind of the good as opposed to the bad boy, the good boy, yeah, bad yeah. boy? Yeah, I'm a good boy. Maybe that it environment is. fostered an optimism or a positivity to where if you're struggling in your home life, it gets dark. It gets dark, and, I'll comp- and there, there's definitely a thread of that kind of home life um, that, I, that I write about um, in my artist statements and in my, the sort of longer writing right. I do about my work, which is, you know, when I'm making my paintings, I love making beautiful objects. I mm-hmm. like making things that are appealing, sh- appealing shiny, colorful. Um, yeah, just super into beauty and aesthetics and being overly aestheticized in some ways. And I think that kind of comes from, you know, being in my like at my parents' house in my home life, which is the sort of like my sort of feminine side or mm-hmm. my interest in those kind like in theater and dance and all of all of those sort of traditionally non-masculine things. Right. Um, that was never sort of curbed or curtailed as a as a kid. So I think the kind of glitz and the vanity that comes into the work is because my parents never sort of discouraged that part like you're of not me. allowed to do that yeah you can't do that yeah exactly that never really was a never was a thing so um yeah i think th- i think there's definitely a connection there so well observed brian yes thank you i guess that's your job right <laughs> yeah yes <laughs> fabulous but yeah so you you came to penn state came to penn state was able to exhale find your people exhale found my tribe came out of the closet i mean i was a real monster just like running around you know waving my hands just like doing pirouettes i mean i really was out of the closet hear me roar hear me roar girl all the way down college (laughs) avenue yes (laughs) and um and so it was wonderful at penn state i have very 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 fond memories of and um and to this day like it continues to be the most supportive place um always get notes from you know, the professors and yeah. my friends being like, congratulations, so happy to see what you're doing. Um, so that's wonderful. And then all my, still my best buddies are my Penn State buddies. Yeah. And that's what I love to tell, um, you know, my students are even just doing studio visits this week. Um, being like, these will be your people. Right. You know, there's this, I think there's this um, kind of notion that we have, particularly as Americans, of the kind of heroic, um, success or somebody who does it alone. And I like to make sure that I tell my students that it's really about um, social support. That, community. Yeah, Definitely. you have to have that community. And if you have that really sort of robust um, group of people around you, that's going to get you to the finishing line. Um, yeah. It's isolation so is not yeah. your friend when it it's comes. It's not a thing. I mean, yes, we work in isolation when we're yes, working. Sure. But an isolated existence isn't necessarily a positive for sharing your work with the world. Yeah, it's it's just not. And I I think we got to put to rest this whole idea of like you know the tortured artist or the you know you have to have deep depression to make like meaningful 
yeah, no. work. That's like not a thing. You know, right. that's a dinosaur. Put that away. It's all about having community, I think. So, yeah. And not being able to communicate is this romanticized thing where like they can only speak through their work. It doesn't work that well either. Yeah. It, because art, making art is communicating with people. It's yeah. talking to people visually. And if, if you're, if you can't communicate, how are you going to, you know, spend or kind of like, um, get the message out to people further than just who's looking at your work. You know what yeah, I mean? It's a big absolutely. part of like, I don't know. I, I think it's a big part of being an artist. Absolutely. Is that community. I a hundred percent echo that sentiment. Totally. But I agree. Penn state was where I, you know, when I went to undergraduate here, it was like, yes, my, girl, look at that. When I caught the fire of being an artist. And yeah. that, so that the place kind of has holds a place in my heart is like, this is where I kind of unabashedly became an artist and, and, yeah. found the love for it. Look and then us. graduate school is great, but more rigorous, serious, and more career, or not career driven, but you're kind of like, okay, how am I going to make this work? Now and that I'm spending a million dollars on this. million. <laughs> Full blown million yeah. dollars. How am I going to pay this back? Yeah. And how it, there's this, I, th- I don't know if there's just this, I guess there is a sense of competition in a, and I say competition in a, in a way that I think is very healthy. Um, at Penn State where, you know, you identify who's working really hard and you try and mirror that. But then when you go to grad school, it seems like you're one step closer to, I don't know, the gallery system or I don't know, whatever kind of idea we have about what being successful in art is. And so there's, a, I think, a kind of um, more sinister sense of competition in graduate school where you're like, I, I want to be the first to have my show in New York or I want to be the first to be written up in a great publication or something. And I don't think that happens so much when you're an undergraduate because you're still kind of paying your dues. You're really trying to figure out what you're doing. Um, it's more bubble-like. Yeah, and uh, and so I, I, I feel the, the kind of same way um, in terms of our experience. It's so crazy. We both went to Penn State. We both were in Pittsburgh. Yeah chic yeah and now look at us i know we have a hit podcast <laughs> they, they just haven't heard it yet they haven't heard it but now they are yeah millions i know this is the this is just the intro look out pod save america <laughs> i think they're we, new boys in town exactly sorry that's okay it's good you're, you're plugging this i'm plugging it hard yeah i'm all in okay it's good to know yeah this isn't just talk no actually it's, it is just talk. i mean it's just talk microphones we got to get a video live. We should be co-hosts on The View. <laughs> Could you imagine? No, I can't. You'll be Joy Behar. Of course. Of course, darling. I can do Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sure. Artwork, yeah, sure. whatever. <laughs> Look, you go, girl. I've been living in New York for 20 uh, years. Have you ever met her? No, I haven't. Have you met any of the ladies I've met from a lot of Joy Behars in my life. Of though. course. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> I'm always proud of enter- you. Always entertaining. No. No, I guess you're kind of, how, what, what, your hair color, is it blonde? <laughs> so you, so you, uh, you graduated Penn State. <laughs> That's me bringing it back. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Bring me back in. So RISD seemed like the place you wanted to. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I thought about it when I was applying to do, uh, my undergraduate work, uh, but then, I don't know. The stress of applying to college when you're 17 and just not a human yet is unreal. So I, um, I never ended up finishing that application. Um, but you thought graduate school? Yeah. Did you take time in between? You didn't. No, right? I just I was like, let's just see what see happens. What happen- that's, yeah. And 
it was great, you know. Yeah. Um, so I interviewed at like like four schools, and they were all good, and got into a couple of places. But then I ended up wanting, deciding to go to um, go to RISD. And I don't know, there was something about Providence too that's like, you know, I'm from a very small town. Penn State is still small town. I mean, there's a lot of people here because it's like a big. The town is still tiny, it's but tiny. it's a lot of people. Yeah, it's a good transition. Yes. Yeah. So I, I thought like Providence was this interesting. It's not New York, like the big kind of the right. big city, you yeah. know, um, which I think would have stressed me out. Uh, a but there's lot. a lot going on in Providence. Yeah, and Providence was this great, like, kind of in between space, and there's all this like sort of post-colonial nostalgia. There's this um, you can smell the ocean, yeah, all the time. It is the ocean state, after all. Uh, it's just this lovely little city, and a lot of um, great. Uh, people that I wanted to work with mm-hmm. there uh, were teaching. So, um, and it's just this great place that uh, really sort of teaches you how to make paintings, like not just in terms of sort of thematic content, but like literally how do you make a nice painting? Right. Um, so Formally I got, yeah, total. Crafting it. Yeah. And you know, that's I'm, a rarity. It's kind of a rarity, right? Like I'm all about, uh, you know, we're making perceptual objects and these perceptual objects are springboards to talk about larger cultural issues or whatever, but you still are making something and yeah. that something needs to be made well, in my opinion. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, again, my Libraness, I'm all about kind of fi- finding this like inner balance between, um, you know, formalism and then, you know, the content that you're putting into your work. I think yeah. you, and, you know, that doesn't mean that it has to be you know, made well and have quotes um, when I'm saying that it just, whatever you're making needs to be considered. So like, I don't know if you're making this like Arte Bavera kind of sculpture that just needs, that needs to be considered in a really particular way. Um, Intent. Yeah. Intent. Exactly. And so they were really good at kind of fostering that. um, I mean, down to like the nitty gritty stuff that I never think about, which is like, why is the stretcher bar this depth? How are you? Right. What about the sides of the canvas? Does this need to be on linen? Why should you have canvas stretched over panel? What about panel? What brushes are you like? All of that stuff was, um, you know, things I never really thought about. It's uh, funny how sometimes people get annoyed when you bring those things up in critiques or when you talk about it. But it, if you're like going to school for music and you're talking about what kind of why does your guitar have two broken strings? Yeah, on it, you why would, you why is it not tuned? <laughs> You would never expect people to not talk about that. Yeah, yeah. I think I, sometimes I, in art school, people are like, why are we talking? Just, just look at the picture. Yeah. It's like, I can't because your stretcher bar is aiming at me. Yeah, it's full-blown. <laughs> it's coming off the wall. It, yeah. It's so, an Ellsworth Kelly right it's now. It's full-blown Els. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, we get it. Um, so you, you worked on the craft and the concept. And yeah, yeah. And the, it was one of the, actually one of the best pieces of advice I got when I was... Um, at RISD was, you know, we definitely, I think, in our sort of art school environments, try and foster this intense language around critical theory um, and being able to talk about your work, which is important. And so I thought I had to talk about my work in a sort of specific way. And I remember um, during one of my, I can't remember if it was my last critique or the semester before my last, um, before my thesis, but I remember talking about my work and I was probably talking about it in like a really fraught way. And I remember one of my professors being like, you talk about your work terribly. Like this is not how you should be talking about your work. You need to talk about it, you know, in a way that is genuine to you. No, you know, you're like have this sort of 
flamboyant personality. You um, are emotional. Speak about your work from that kind of genuine place. Um, it doesn't have to be this all this cerebral stuff. You right. know, you can just talk candidly and truly about about the work that you're making. And that really opened my eyes. I was like, oh, wow, I am talking about my work wrong. And she gave me permission to speak about, yeah. I'm the author of the work. I can talk about it however I want, actually. So, um, another exhale moment. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. <sighs> Chic. Yeah. I don't have to just do the prepackaged art school talk. Yeah. About. Yeah. So, and, you know, I got, and we had to write our own thesis there. So I put all that, like, you know, kind of right. intellectual quotes um, stuff into the written. Uh, like all the literature and all that stuff but but yeah just I just decided I'm going to talk about it the way that feels genuine to me you know yeah. live in your truth right and you worked through some different ways of working during that time right because you were doing a little more not cartoony but no you know, I was definitely about the Wesselman-esque yeah yeah so like in my first visit it was my critic was like are you Tom Wesselman or are you Sylvia Slay and I was like uh, I don't really know I thought I was a Tom Wesselman I'm a Sylvia Slay-ish um, but you had to pick and you I had thought, to pick, Oh my God, I have to pick what I am here. Exactly. Which, which is ridiculous. Which is but, so ridiculous. But interesting. But it was, it was this, it sent me on a journey, uh, for sure. Um, but yeah, so I was doing these like, I don't know, kind of flat sort of cartoony. It's very trendy painting. You know, you go yeah. to, um, you would see the paintings that I was making in my first year of grad school anywhere in New York or on Instagram. Right. So I was just like, I got to find something different to do. Um, and well, and also in that first studio visit, I had these like kind of rendered portraits and my critic was like, you paint the figure terribly. Um, and I was like, Oh God. I mean, he wasn't wrong. Um, but he was really just sort of motivating me to paint it better and to like really pay attention. Um, so he was using hyperbole to, you know, make me work a little bit harder. Um, which was great. Uh, so, um, I just kind of, went back to painting the figure the way that I had been doing for so long, which is this like very rendered modeled kind of fastidious painting. Um, and that ended up being what set me on the, your on the, language. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah like kind of, and also not abandoning some of those things that I did in the kind of cartoony trendy painting. Um, some of that still is in the work, um, in some ways. Um, it's more mature now, I think, but, um, but yeah, you know, it all came together in a nice way at the end. But Now, in Providence, were you a hermit in the studio kind of person? Or were you out doing stuff, seeing music? Uh, what was the, the vibe? We we were kind of small group. There was only 10 of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they we had this big old apartment building that they renovated into studios in downtown Providence. So, like, painters were on the second and third floor for both years. Um, and then sculpture and uh, printmaking and glass was at, on the very top floor. That's cool. You're all, we're all kind of in the same. Yeah. yeah. Which was cool. So that kind of became our zone of you know, being social. Yeah. Uh, you know, we didn't do it. We would, you know, go to the gay bar and stuff and like, mm-hmm. you know, go get chips and salsa, but we never really did crazy things. We'd go to the beach. RISD has their own beach, which is yeah. like really chic. That's cool. Um, yeah. So cool. Other than that though, we kind of just hung out and like, drank beers in the studio and painted and listened to music and hung out. And that was, was super fun. So much fun. Isn't a beach like the ultimate, um, rejuvenating. There's something about going and walking in the sand, even if it's cold, 
just going and breathing in that air uh, that I feel. And I'm not like I grew up in Pittsburgh. Of yeah. All places. I'm not like a, you know, a beach dude. Well, there's this like new holistic thing, right? Where you're supposed to take off your shoes and like walk. It's called earthing. Ever heard of earthing, Brian? <laughs> no. Okay, here you go. You ready for it? Yes. Apparently earthing when you take off your shoes and you like go walk this like in the woods or something without, yeah. without shoes on. This is very L.A., um, but but apparently it's supposed to, like, realign your sort of magnetism with the earth, and it, like, sets you back on your axis, if you will. I've never gone earthing, but there's, I think there's something about, yeah, like, yeah. just, like, literally taking off your shoes and walking down this, down the beach um, that really is kind of rejuvenating in some ways. And for me, water has always given me peace. Yeah. Always. Like if I'm ever feeling stressed, I'll like just hop in the shower and I feel better when I'm, you know, get out of the shower, drink a big glass of water. Those things always make me feel better. Water. It will. We're made up of a lot of water. I think we, right. Yeah. Like Uh, 150%. Like a, I think 150%. (laughs) Listen, I'm not an economist, but I think it's 150%. You're right. You're right. Yeah. I fact checked that. Um, Thank you. When I was in Skowhegan, they have a lake there. And mm-hmm. at night, in the cabins, there's nothing. You know, there were no, when I went, there was no stuff. No computers or phones or any of that stuff. So, Back in the, yeah, in the 1820s. Yeah, 1820. Great year. It was amazing. I love that year. That's when America was great. <laughs> <laughs> so, I true sleeping or, you know, lying down after, like, working in the studio all day and night, and you hear the lake oh, just, like, so lapping good. on the, you know, that. The shore, and then the uh, there was a loon that was in the lake. A loon? Okay, what is a loon? It's some sort of low-flying waterfowl. Oh. <laughs> but it made this haunting, beautiful, like, I can't even do it. Well, let's, it's fine. We'll find some. I'll, I'll YouTube it later. Let's leave a, a, a pregnant pause here, and I'll insert a uh, MP3 of a loon call. Let's do it. That was crazy. That was amazing. <laughs> so that's what I heard every night when I went to sleep. But there was something really relaxing and amazing of course. about that experience. Yeah, I mean, even just like, you know, the birds, or not the birds chirping, the crickets doing yeah, their noises. Exactly. All that stuff is so peaceful. Yeah. It just like, it brings you this new realignment. It does. I don't know if I could do it all the time, but living in the city and getting out, you really yeah. enjoy it. Well, I think that's that's kind of like why I don't want to live in like, Los Angeles, which like, I need the seasons. I like being able to appreciate yeah. summer when summer comes and then winter when winter comes. I love that. It, You're an East coaster. I'm kind of an East coaster. I think, you know, I like visiting LA, but I don't think I could live there. Yeah. I lo- my sister lives in LA. I love going out there. Yeah. Um, it's cool. It's, it's chic. It's fun. Um, but, but yeah, I love coming back to the East I coast. Like the fall. The fall is, is the winter's a bit much. It can be, yeah. Like I get the seasonal affected around, uh, around blizzard number three. <sighs> blizzard number the three, the third nor'easter. God, yes, that's when it gets old. Yeah, and then like all the snow turns to like black detritus. Oh, yes. Like hate that. Ugh. But when spring comes, Sheek. it's amazing. It's beautiful. Yes. We're renewed. I have this weird fear. Are you ready for it? I'm going to be very vulnerable here. Sure. I this always is a safe place. Thank you. Safe place. <laughs> At the Sound of Vision podcast, um, I um, always think every year when all the leaves are gone that they won't come back during spring. We're all going to suffocate to death and die, and that's the apocalypse. Listen, thank God for evergreens. Oh, right, the perennials. <laughs> no, they're not coming back either. They're dying. The evergreens are. Listen, the the everything pine trees are gone too. Everything's going to hell. That's bleak. I mean, look at LA; it's on fire. It's true. Yeah, yeah. the environment. Well, hey. I'm, you're preaching to the choir. My last know, show girl. was all about environmental right. stuff, and I 
Yeah, and I think it's our, you know, we get busy with important social issues and all that stuff, which are very important. But, yeah. Yo, um, the environment is... Y- it's big. It doesn't care yeah. what color you are, how old you are, how young you are, what, how much money you're making. Y'all going to die. Yeah, when the, when the <laughs> fires and the hurricanes come. It's bad. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm like on this like um, no red meat journey and, you know, trying to do my start making life adjustments. How long um, have you been on the? Oh, God, it's relatively recent, probably like two or three months. I mean, you feel better, though. Yeah, I feel it just it, I, I had this weird thing where I was like when I was eating a lot of when I was eating meat, it was just like I couldn't start. I started thinking about flesh too much and I was getting way too close to it, which I think ended up being a good thing. And then reading recent, like, you know, climate reports, I was like, okay, I need to start making changes in my, in my life to better the environment. I think the environment is a really, really compelling way to make people change their dietary habits. Yeah. I became vegetarian in 93. You go girl. Now, what do you, um, what's your favorite sort of like vegetarian meal? Do you do, do you do, eggs like are you a big egg person i like eggs yeah i love eggs i know i can't give up i'm not vegan i can't give up cheese and dairy i know i'm too white for that that's exactly right (laughs) i know i butter girl i know i'm i'm not giving it up listen we're not perfect i do like a good thai tofu curry that sounds vietnamese vegetarian banh mi works yum a banh mi moment a little uh bibimbap is nice (sighs) A what? Babimbap? I don't even know if I know what a babimbap is. It's the Korean is. rice dish that comes in that Oh, yes, pot, got it. Cooks it on the... Yes. Oh, so good. We had a babimbap place right down my street when I was in Providence. It's good stuff. I forget what it was called, but it's amazing. Um, well, yeah, I, I, those are kind of my favorites, I think. I love that. Yeah. And nowadays, for all those hardcore... I'm not a... I never try to convert anyone to vegetarianism, yeah. but I will say that when... I remember when I was in undergraduate school, I think I had my first veggie burger... And it tastes like cardboard in a sock. Bad. Yeah, bad. Now it's amazing how good some of that stuff is. They can is. Re- like delicious. Yeah, like a little Beyond Burger. Right, girl. Yeah, the yeah the the ones that like look like they're bleeding because the beet juice. Yeah, stuff. beet juice. Hi, they're really good. I love beets, and they don't. They're not made of things that fart and ruin the atmosphere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we do enough of that. Yes, exactly. There's enough flatulence. God. Anyways, I, that's the last thing I want to do is try to convert people. Yeah, I'm, I'm not that person. I'm but not a pre. I'm not preachy. Either. I'm just the the fake meat industry stepped their game up. A yeah, bit. they're stepping it up. Did you see? There's a new drink called Soylent. So- yes, yes, I saw Soylent. Yes, and yeah, I thought it was a joke. Did you have it? No, I didn't. It's uh, people. What? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Soylent Green is people. <laughs> anyway, I would love that. <laughs> So yeah, so you changed you're changing your diet a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. You know, little doing better. it gradually, you know. I'm not going like cold turkey on or oh maybe that wasn't the right metaphor. Going cold turkey cold on meat. Veggie turkey. Cold veggie turkey. Tofurkey. Tofurkey. Cold tofurkey. So making making you know, making slight adjustments. Um yeah. So, so when you're painting, yeah. do you feel I always feel like I have to like the the sort of taking well, I'm a little older. I guess taking care of myself that energy goes into the studio. Yeah. What is your? Are you painting pretty much all the time, or do you take your breaks, or how's the? What's your my routine day to day routine? Um, so people want to know. People want to listen, guys. I'm here to give answers. Um, so my routine is pretty consistent. Um, 
so Tuesday, Thursday, I teach in the morning, 8.30 to 11.20. So then, um, you know, I get to the studio around noon on those days. But in general, um, you'll probably wake up around like 9, have a cup of coffee, maybe take my dogs for a little stroll, um, and then get to the studio around 10.30 or 11, um, have a little something to eat in my fridge, um, have my Diet Coke, which is my vice. Um, and I pretty much paint every day, probably I'm about six hours is about as much as I kind of give. So yeah. It depends. I mean, if I'm on a tight deadline, I'll put in like a really robust full, full day. But, um, when I get in there, I like, I like start and then like six hours later I'm finished. I don't really take any breaks. That's the zone. Yeah. I get, I get really into the zone and I get kind of cranky when somebody knocks on my door. It's like, I mean, I'm in the. Yeah, it's that it's that thing where you're when you're really in it. Um, you don't want that to be broken. It's like being you're like a gambler. You want to get up from the table or something. Right. And, um, even like just having the social consciousness or the consciousness of knowing that I have a social obligation later oh, in yeah. the evening will Harshes almost your vibe. almost wreck my entire day. Right. Like if I have to like leave the studio at four to go get ready, that just like drives me crazy. Well, teaching isn't a good profession for that. <laughs> well, exactly. Well, I do it in the morning. Thank God. So, um, oh, and then you, and then I just depart. go and then I depart and then I'm, so are you pretty close? Like your apartment studio teaching is at all? Yeah. It's within, it's this weird thing I find in Pittsburgh, like no matter where you are, it takes half an hour to get anywhere. Yeah. So it's like, even if you're going down the street, it takes a half an hour. If you're going 10 miles, it takes half an hour. It's very bizarre. Um, so my house in, uh, where I teach is in this like kind of bizarre triangle, but they're all about the same spots. So my studio's in Lawrenceville. Mm-hmm. My house is just right outside, right um, outside of Southside, and uh, and then Shady Side, and then Shady Side Oakland area for CMU. Yep, for CMU. That's a pretty good setup. It's a great setup. I love it. Yeah. Is the South Side still what the South Side was? To an extent, when I was growing up. I mean, we had the Beehive. There were live shows. There was a lot of music going on there. I mean, everything in Pittsburgh is kind of getting gentrified and all of that stuff. Even Pittsburgh. Yeah, girl. East Liberty is like, I mean, they're like knocking down beautiful mom and pop uh, stores for, you know, high rise apartments for Walnut Capital. You know what? What we've referred to as lifers refer to as Sliberty. Do you you know what Sliberty was like when I was growing up? I need you to tell me. Not nice. Was it bad? Yeah, it was bad. Like how bad? Decrepit. Whoa. It was funky. But now there's like an ace there. Yeah, there's an ace hotel. Times change. Times really change. Yeah, but the South Side was a cool, I mean, that was the place. South Side's still kind of cool. East Carson has like a bunch of cool like little shops, but now there's like a cheesecake factory. Is the Rex Theater still there? Is the Rex Theater? It was across from the Beehive. I think it is. It was a really great old place to see. They would do like I think Rex is still there. I think I and then we you know there's Mr. Smalls where you have like cool concerts and stuff. I don't know if that was there. It wasn't. Yeah, that's been around for I think I remember going to concerts there when I was like 13. Um, So it's been I think that's been around for a while. But you know, still some good stuff hanging out there. I mean, I really do love Pittsburgh. It's a great city. It really is. It's such a cool city. It's affordable. Super affordable. There's space. I you've can, got the Carnegie Museum. You've got so the Warhol. So good. We have the, the International Factory. up right now. Yeah, the Mattress Factory. Mattress Factory's great. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a great space because I can just, um, I don't have to work to live. I can live to work, which yeah. is like this really amazing. I feel really excited. And, you know, now that we have social media and stuff, you don't have to be in New York. Um, you can make it work if you just sort of occupy a different territory yeah. in terms of uh, 
getting yourself out there. Do you have an impetus at some point to, to, get, to move to New York or no, to L.A. or anything? No, not really. I mean, if I could live in a penthouse in Manhattan and have a driver. A little pet Yeah, exactly. That's probably affordable. I think so. <laughs> what, it's $12 million? <laughs> I can afford that. Yeah, sure. I think I have $80 in my bank account. Isn't it crazy that there are people who just have so much money, they just have a little spot in Midtown where they... It's crazy. Or the Upper East Side where they just crash. And they just hang out. And 75 to 90% of the time, that whole brownstone is empty. I know, it's <laughs> nuts. So no real impetus to get over there. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, it's only a five and a half hour drive from Pittsburgh, six hour drive. Yeah, it's not far. And then how do you deal with the provincialism of Pittsburgh? Is it not, does it not phase you? I mean, growing up there, it was like, like I'm still a Steelers fan. I don't have a choice. <sighs> well, I, you know, I'm not, I, it's weird. I'm, you know, I live in Pittsburgh. I'm a resident of Pittsburgh, but I'm not necessarily in the kind of tradition traditional Pittsburgh culture, yeah. which is very much, you know, what is it? The pirates, pirates, penguins, and Steelers, P- pirates, penguins, and Steelers. I've never they been get into it. I've never been to a pirates game. I've never been to a Steelers game. I've never been to the, uh, the, the igloo. The, is what is that? What is the That's penguins? Nick, the, yeah. It's nickname. It's the console energy center, but they nickname it's it. It's new Pink now. Girl. It's not console anymore, girl. Oh, whoops. It's Pittsburgh paint. PPG, PPG paints. PPG Paints. Look, it all comes around here on the Sound and Vision podcast. It's the paint arena now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> even the even the sports venues are artistic. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, it's not even really something I think about or contend with. I just, you know, I have my little community. That's what I do. Um, You've been to Permanis, though. I've been to Permanis. Okay, yeah, yeah. I don't want to, like, get hate mail, but I don't love well, I'm sorry. Well, you weren't born and raised there, so it's okay. You get a pass. They have some in Altoona now. Yeah, they're all over, but there's none of them are, are like the Strip. The one in the Strip is the, the OG. She's the OG. You gotta She's go. She's amazing. And the sandwiches there taste different. Do they? They do. Okay. I'm going to... Listen, I'll take your recommendation. I'll go back. I promise. I tried one in State College Crap. at the Permanis, and I, and I had a student who worked there, and I said, you know, the sandwiches don't tastes quite the same as in Pittsburgh. He's like, yeah, because the bread gets shipped in, so it's sitting for a few days before you get it. <laughs> it's the bread issue. Yes. I was going to like talk about the bread. Fresh bread. Girl, you got to have that fresh bread. You do. I it don't want it... any stale nasty. No. Oh, God, I'm so glad we had this like forensic analysis of Permanti bread. Look, it's... Yeah. I apologize to all the listeners who have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> they, they know what we're talking about when we talk about bad bread. Y'all know what we're yes, talking about. bad bread. Bad and bread. With sandwiches with french fries and coleslaw on the sandwich. Fierce. Is that because you're a vegetarian lady? So, three cheese. Three cheese, fries, coleslaw, or slaw. Is it coleslaw? Coleslaw, yeah. yeah. But it's like a vinegary kind yeah, of like slaw. Tart. It's not really like mayonnaise y. Right. Which it's, I'm fine with. Yeah, I like it. It's light. It's like crispy. Crispy. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> okay, do we need to talk? All right, let's get back into the work a little bit because I feel like yeah, I'm sorry. just go, literally, we're just like hanging out. Is I that, love it. <laughs> We haven't been going that long. Oh, really? Okay, I just yeah, want to make sure like I'm not... 48 minutes or so. <gasps> oh, my God. Listen, my studio visits are just going to have to wait a little. Well, let's talk about your work. Let's and do it. And tell people... Where they know. where they can find me. You know how they always end podcasts like that? You can find them down at Permanis, apparently. You'll find me at Permanis complaining about the bread. <laughs> <laughs> so your work... Yes. Post-RISD. Post-RISD. Um, so, let's see. I, so... I'll give you, I guess, just the sort of brief chronology of kind of what happened. Um, so after RISD, you worked for, oh 
God, what's the timeline? I graduated in 2016. Yeah, so, like, um, just kind of made work, sort of, you know, trying to figure out exactly what I was doing. You know, you, you they break you down in grad school. You they, you sort of put the pieces back together. Yeah. But, you know, you there's a level of resolve that happens at your thesis, but, you know, it's not really the work you kind of are proud about or wanted to make. Like, I didn't love that work. Um, so then moving over um, into just working on my own, no criticism and sort of metabolizing the two years that I had at RISD. Um, I just uh, was kind of making weirdish work, but it was still, it was okay. It was all right, but I just didn't have a sort of like perfect thread um, uh, in, in the paintings. And then um, did uh, the spring break art show. That was kind of like my first little jaunt into the scene, I guess you'll say. Yeah, that was um, good. I remember seeing that. Did you go? You got a lot of. It was some good buzz. Yeah, we had to go through. You know? We had a good group. Yeah, and I like that. I like that fair too. I love the sort of mission statement of having alternative art spaces. And, and it's such a strange place too. So weird to have it. It's great. Yeah, a lot of energy because they actually just did it in the same space for two years in a row. Usually they switch oh, they it, move up. it around. Yeah, yeah. The so Times Square space. So it like, was in four Times Square. Yeah. yeah, and I think those were the old. Vanity Fair offices, I think. Oh, really? Which was really cool, yeah. Um, and so we had a good group, showed with my friend Shona and then Allison Zuckerman and Haley, and mm-hmm. um, that was really fun. And we might do a little uh, getting the band back together nice. show, which will be really fun. Reunion tour. Reunion tour, Spice Girls. <laughs> I was always Baby Spice, of course. <sighs> I regret <laughs> that. Now. I don't know why. You weren't, uh, what's her name? Bosch, like Victoria yeah, Beckham. Bosch, I should have been, but I don't know. I was like, I was always Bubbles in the Powerpuff Girls, and I was always um, Baby Spice in the Spice Girls. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, then, uh, so that was that was good. Got a few little, you know, interests there, but um, everything's been really relatively kind of recent for me. So at the end of 2017, just got an email from my, now my current gallery in Paris, and um, they just were like, saw my work on Tumblr. I think I don't even have a Tumblr, but I don't Someone know. Else People post. You. Yeah, exactly. Thanks. Person. Yeah. Thank you. Whoever it is. Um, and they were like, Hey, we'd like to apply to not New York with your work. Um, is that cool? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I have nothing on the books right now. So let's go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, got in, which was great. Um, and then, um, that sort of work. Well, I guess that work and the work that I'm making now, yeah, all this stuff that's happening in 2018, I was, I have these two adorable little, King Charles Spaniels and I was thinking about um, thinking about them in relationship to art history so like a bunch of you know Rococo paintings or paintings of you know European royalty the bourgeoisie all that stuff always has a little cute it's not always a King Charles Spaniel it could be like a Welsh Spaniel but right. you know and they always look weird in those paintings like weird little so we just put them in there it's very bizarre yeah. and strange faces or whatever um, and so I was like oh this is like a great kind of art historical reference right at my, at my fingertips. I'm going to paint them. And so then I started thinking about, um, you know, painting men and their dogs, gay men specifically and their, and their dogs. Cause there's this whole sort of thing on Instagram. I find like a Instagram when gay men make art on Instagram. Um, it always seems like this excuse to kind of get like, a dick pic like from a really hot Instagram mm-hmm. guy you know so they're like hey can I draw you naked and then they'll like have you know make this like bad drawing of um, 
this like really hot naked guy. And I, there's just so much of that on Instagram. It's like almost nauseating. I mean, I, I you know, that's, that's great. I, I like looking at those things too, but, right. um, but I wanted to sort of do something a little bit different. So I wanted to make paintings kind of about love and, um, more about sensuality than like an explicit kind of sexuality and not that love and sex can't be related, but yeah. you know, they're not necessarily intrinsic in my opinion. Um, so, uh, just, yeah, I wanted to make these like little intimate, um, kind of sensual and sensuous scenes of men and their dogs and thinking about using, um, queer bodies, bodies of color and sort of inserting them into that historical narrative yeah. or uh, royal narrative, excuse me, and hopefully elevate these bodies from a kind of second class status to a royal class status. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been really great and fun to, to do in the studio. And I'm, you know, still sort of on that, um, in that series and on that path. Yeah. There's so much to mine there too, yeah, conceptually with the historical references and then yeah, you know, specific artists and totally. Yeah. And I love thinking about, uh, like, you know, the portrait of canines is this like really kitsch thing. You know, right. you can go into like this, like secondhand store and find really bizarre paintings of dogs and cats that are just like so wonky and weird, but you know, so full of like vitality and, um, yeah, there's people who make a living just painting people's dogs. Yeah. And they're so like sincere and I love those paintings, but they're so kitschy too. And so I love that kind of like lowbrow, highbrow kind of mix in the, in the work. Um, and it's been super, super fun to do. And still of course doing all the fun pattern and color and, you know, the work, my work really like emerges from an intersection of formalism and emotional content. Those are the, those are the, that's the kind of point of departure for me in painting and, um, I love the Magritte reference too. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I felt the same way. Like there's Magritte and Picasso for me were two people that I was like, Oh God. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. And then I, as I got older, I was like, wait, these guys, well, Magritte specifically is a fucking badass. That broken sunset painting, like the pane uh, of glass that's the sunset that's like shattered. So good. Amazing. It's so You could hang good. that today, not put Magritte and people would be like, well, that's, you know, it it's feels contemporary. so contemporary. I know. His work is the best. Magritte. Oh. If ever, if you haven't heard of Magritte, go check him out. Yeah, Magritte. Not the that. apple painting, though. I don't like the apple painting. Yeah, the painting. apple painting. That's like one of those bands that their famous song is irritating yeah but the other work the other music is, like is great amazing i'm trying to think of somebody but i, I can't it'll come to me later we'll edit that in yeah we'll edit that post. in i'll send you a like a like voice memo on my iphone post-production the a, beetle yeah <laughs> yesterday <laughs> that would be chic like the sound quality that was really what good happened there. yeah because <laughs> we got these beautiful mics thank you this is fabulous it's a good setup it is a good setup i really need to start podcasting why not I just need a good thing to talk about. We have our thing. Uh, well, you and I are about to take off, of right. course. Um, look out for our uh, winter 2019 tour. Can I come up with a name? Yeah, we do. All right, we'll add that in post We'll add that in too. post-production. Put that in post. So Fantastic. I know you got to go talk to young, up-and-coming... Your students. ...artists, but um, so people can find your work and you at... At Danny J... Feral. Oh, the J is what separates you the from J. all the others. All the famous. others. There's a lot of famous Ferrells out there. Ferrells. Oh, so many. Um, yeah, Danny J. Farrell. Farrell like Will, not like Colin. Right. Okay. I did notice that. Yeah. And then Danny, Double R, double L. Double R, oh God, double R, double L, double E, actually. 
Um, and then, um, yeah, dannyfarrell.com. And you can also go to my gallery's website, gallerypacked.com. Anything coming up specifically that people... Yes, I'll do... I have a solo um, coming up in New York at Marinero Gallery. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, that'll be fun. Um, and that'll be... Uh, we're still hammering out those dates, but it should be around Armory time. So um, late Perfect. February, early March. Yeah. So, so you're working towards that. Yeah. And it's... Uh, I got a lot of work to do, so... What are you doing here talking to me? <laughs> I don't know, but it's gorgeous. And I have had a great time. It's I've had an amazing time. Thank you, you for having me. Thanks for coming on. Can't wait for our tour. Look out for us. Keep posted. People. Sound and vision coming at you 2019. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> Sound and Vision is recorded, produced, edited, and facilitated by myself, Brian Alfred. You can check out more photos from the podcast I take at artist studios and in the galleries at soundandvisionpodcast.com. You can also get a tote bag there. You can donate to the podcast. Many thanks to Michael Lovett for the intro and Jacob 2-2 for the intro-outro music. Don't forget, Danny has a upcoming solo show at Marinero Gallery in New York City. Make sure to check that out. You can find more about my work at paintchanger.com, at Alfred Studio on Instagram, and you can follow the podcast on Instagram at Sound and Vision Podcast. Many thanks for listening and supporting Sound and Vision.